everyone, this is Anna for Indigo Radio, and right now we are on Main Street, and we are demanding justice for the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Sean Reed, and all those targeted by police brutality. We will be out on Main Street for a while if anyone wants to come join us. We, this is uh, an action and rally that is supported by Brattleboro Solidarity, of course, us, Indigo Radio, the Tenant Union of Brattleboro, Lost River Racial Justice, and The Root. And we are asking people to stand six feet apart with masks. We do have extra masks if people want to come down. And we will be all along Main Street. Please be mindful of each other's health. And we are standing up in solidarity with many of the protests that are going on around the nation. So please join us. And today, uh, as I said, we are replaying a show. We are replaying our show with MOCA, which is Men of Color Health Awareness. It's a uh, organizing group in Springfield, Massachusetts. And last year, Michaela Sims, Indigo Radio host, talked with Hank Lamont and um, David um, to talk about the work of MOCA. Thanks all, and we'll be back next week. You are listening to Indigo Radio, deepening understanding and making connections. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on your iTunes at Indigo Radio. The views of this show are those of the hosts and guests, not of the radio station. Indigo Radio is a group of area educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. Um, this is Michaela Sims, and we're in the studio. I'm in with Anna Mullaney, Hi. <laughs> who doesn't have a mic right now, <laughs> and several other guests. We have Olya also here, who doesn't have Olya Kark, who doesn't have a mic, and I don't know, the rest of y'all want to introduce yourselves? Yes, my name is Lamont Scott. I'm um, the MOCA Outreach Coordinator and Assistant Director of MOCA out of Springfield, Mass. And my name is Hank Douglas. I'm also a MOCA Retention Outreach Coordinator. And I'm Dave Buchanan, who works at the University of Massachusetts and has had the great pleasure and honor of working with the MOCA Moving Forward Project. So welcome, all our guests in the studio and all our, everyone out there listening. Um, we're going to open up with a song. Salt and Pepper, what a man, and we'll be right back with the men from the Mocha movement. Baby. 
and it's smooth like Barry and his voice got bass. A body like Arnold with a Denzel face. He's smart like a doctor with a real good breath. And when he comes home, he's relaxed with pep. He always got a gift for me every time I see him. A lot of snot knows that things couldn't be him. He never ran a corner line once to me yet. So I give him stuff that I'll never forget. He keeps me on cloud nine just like a tent. He's not a fake wannabe, trying to be a pimp. He dresses like a dapper dumb, but even in jeans, he's a classic original, the man of my dreams. Yes, my man says he loves me, never says he loves me not. Mine are rush me good and touch me in the right spot. See all the guys that I've had, they try to play all like Matt. But every okay. time they try to say, that's not it. Good afternoon, and we're back. This is Indigo Radio, WVEW 107.7. And we're back with the Mocha Movement. And so could one of you tell us what Mocha stands for and give us the Mocha Pledge? Yes, uh, Mocha stands for Men of Color Health and Awareness. We also like to give you our pledge so that you can have a little bit of, as we before, before we go into our history. Can you repeat after me? My community is in need. My community is in need. It is in need of me. It is in need of me. It is in need of my fatherhood and brotherhood. It is in need of my fatherhood and my brotherhood. I pledge to be present. I pledge to be present. My presence depends on my health. My presence depends on my health. My community depends on me. My community depends on me. I pledge to be healthier in mind, body, spirit, and relationships. I pledge to be healthier in mind, body, spirit, and relationships. I will foster this in my family. I will foster this in my family. And I will carry this to in my community. And I will carry this in my community. Mocha! Mocha. <laughs> I love it. Wow, what a strong and important statement. How did you come to create this uh, pledge? Well, years ago, um, there was a group of men that um, really thought that we needed um, to structure on the health disparities of the men in Springfield. And um, somewhere back in around the spring of 2003, a small group of men, including Ron Johnson, Tony Petaway, James Arenas, Steve Boykin became to discuss the move of the need of men in the initiative in Springfield. Out of all these conversations, they thought about, they said, well, we needed, a, we needed to talk about family. Mm. And the word family was born, but over the next three years, family sponsored a series of well-attended community forums, forums that topics related to male involvement, healthier families, mm. violence, preventions, and the pilot rates of passage through the program and having men uh, graduating out of high school. After that, um, they collectively continued to get together, 2007, 2008, 2009. And in um, 2010, they sat down and said, you know what, I think we can put together um, a movement, a program for men of color to focus on health disparities. In February, March of 2010, Ron Johnson facilitated also with um, Men Resource International with the, with the key community stakeholders to solicit for a citywide initiative. Also, our Commissioner Helen Carlton Harris, Director of the Health and Human Services and the Department, contribute towards this effort to design a firm TSM design offered to provide free logo branding, consultation, and also Dr. Stanford James was actively engaged. Um, in 2010, we came together and we did a uh, focus group at the YMCA, which did a call for all men to come down and hear about this initiative that we were putting together. Mm. We received over maybe about maybe 100, 150 men 
in a three to four week session of coming down to focus groups to find more about the initiative that was being prepared for the men of Springfield and our surrounding area pertaining to health disparities. After that, we met probably about six months, seven months later, we met at the City Hall, on the steps of City Hall, with an initiative of almost 200 men, which gave us opportunity, and when I say men, it was men of all color. Race wasn't an issue, it was about the health disparities of men of color and how we should uh, face this initiative. So after that, we began um, the process. We put together some curriculum. The curriculum came together. Also, the men that participated in the focus groups also had opportunity to come about the way that we branded Mocha with our t-shirts and anything that we needed to move um, um, Mocha forward. Also with the initiative to um, also put together a collective, uh, constructive curriculum so that men would understand this process that we're doing and our call out to men. Okay, thank you. So often people nowadays are using this term toxic masculinity and I was wondering what you think about it and what do you think it what does it mean to you if it has any meaning? When I hear the term to toxic masculinity, I'm thinking of things that are harmful to me trying to become a, a man of uh, responsibility, a man of one that takes care of business and um, becomes a role model to children uh, that are younger than myself and um, just just being responsible and being an advocate in the things that like social determinants that, that produce disparities in, in the health of uh, people of color. So could you tell us, what, is this, what does the word disparities mean? A lot of people might not know what disparities are or social determinants. Well, disparities and social determinants are things that, um, that affect the way health outcomes in, in people of color, like high blood pressure, diabetes, um, prostate cancers. Social determinants are, are things where we have stress, housing, um, getting back into society, relationship building, and networking back within our community and our loved ones. And so part of the issue is that there are gaps between men of color and white men in these areas, right? So yes. Black men are more likely to have diabetes or high blood pressure or... Yes, because of the social situations that, um, that are in our neighborhoods, in, a, in urban areas, run into where we're not getting um, the right kind of, of food services, um, mm -hmm. whole food services. Um, so a lot of bodegas are buying secondhand foods and, and we're used to eating and having a recipe or diet of those things that are that are killing us like you know um just bad foods in general um, ramen ramen noodles <laughs> yeah mcdonald's i hate to use uh, name some names but um it's all right name them that's yeah. not gonna cut yeah. into their profits okay <laughs> uh, we're, we're bombarded with uh like i said fast food uh fast food stuff mm -hmm. packaged stores you know things that that aren't healthy for our neighborhoods yeah so what is healthy masculinity? What do you think? I mean, and I know that's part of your um, mission, right? But, mm -hmm. So what does that look like, or how, would you, how do you define that? Well, I think that um, healthy masculinity would be um, the way you eat, going to the doctor, kind of taking more or less, taking more of charge of yourself and your mm -hmm. health and the focus of what you're doing. And also understanding that any um, unhealthy thing that you have done in the past that you have an opportunity to correct them to move forward. I believe that as we, um, you are what you eat and also some of the foods and some of the other things that we do kind of make us a little sluggish, our thinking, our ability to get up and move, to exercise and get out. 
I mean, with so many obstacles in the way now with computers and um, uh, sitting at home with games, I mean, I see now the children, and not only the children, but even the parents, I mean, with lack of getting the children outside to play or move around with them, when that was a big part of our lifestyle in the past when I was growing up. So now, I mean, this just gives us an outlook of how, it may, how we may perceive healthy masculinity. And also, as I think uh, Hank said it, the way that we eat, we're trying to change it in the thought process of what we eat. We know that um, in a fast living lifestyle that we do have to change, and sometimes um, life is such a hustle that we don't eat as healthy, and sometimes not only that do that affect us, but also it affects us and it affects our children. Years ago, we understand that um, I was brought up by a family from the South where all the food was grown, mm -hmm. I ate, you know, um, it, I ate healthier, I ate better, and um, it wasn't always from the bodegas or from the store, little small things. So now um, it's all about um, how do we get back to that to teach the children and families of that, the right nutrition. I know we have a lot of community gardens and things that are trying to educate folks that we're a big part of that in our community, but it's just the process of learning how to teach people to get back to what we know to help eliminate some of the other things that may be processed in the food, the process will cause other social and unhealthy determinants of how we eat and live. I think what you said was important about like, it's not too late. Like you can, I feel like that's one of the things that people think is that like, oh, I, you know, what's the difference? It's not gonna make that big a difference, but you're saying it's never too late. Never too late. Okay. Uh, I was just hoping Hank could uh, share with the listeners about some of the core of the MOCA curriculum particularly uh, sessions on the man box and how difficult it is to live up to these social stereotypes that really constrain men in um, behaving more fully as human beings. Um, you want to talk about the man box? Well, I, I did, but I also wanted to comment on that question about the ma healthy masculinity because our, our goals are to improve personal fitness in mind, body, and spirit. We also want people to understand attitudes and behaviors that contribute to personal family and community health. And then by building healthy support relationships with other men. And last but least, becoming a role model for healthy manhood and an advocate for MOCA. Some of the curriculums that we have is introduction to the man box, unpacking the man box. The man box is a, a stereotypes that, that young men feel is um, some of the things that they have to go through to become, to be considered a man. So what we do is we, we ask a couple questions about um, what it is to be a man, and we draw the responses on a, on a bulletin board. We invite the people to, to brainstorm and say, what, what do you think it means to be a man? Some say, uh, you know, have a lot of women. Some say, have a job, pay your child support, you know, whatever it is. And then we draw a box around it, and we say, how, do, how does that contribute healthy or unhealthy-wise to the things that we put in the box? And one of the things that we do with that box, we put all of the unhealthy and stereotypes or looks into that box first, so that men can feel that because that's what we've kind of been brought up to look at, and, 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 and whatever it may be, because what happened is we end up filling up the box when you have a, a group of men. Just start giving y'all the things, you know, um, you know um, well, what is, well, you say, well, be a man, and then we look for a response for him to say, okay, well, being a man is being a father. Be a man. Be a man is having a job. Be a man. Oh, don't be a punk or, or a sissy or, or okay? Be a man, then some guys think, well, um, be a man is like, well, I don't take no mess out of this next guy, you know what I mean? You know, be a man. So we keep repeating the same thing until that box is full, and then we have them sit there and ponder and talk about it and say, what do you see in there and how you can reflect that on yourself? 
And as we continue to talk about the process, okay, we set them up in pairs, we talk, we listen, and then we come back and say, okay, now that you see what you didn't put in this box and how we are perceived to be stuck in this box, what are your ways out of it and what are some of the healthy things that you see in this box? So, you know, and then we can, then we will create another, another box with that for a healthy lifestyle that you can put in that box so we can see that all men are not stereotyped. They have to fit in this box when unhealthy thoughts or unhealthy attitudes or ways of looking how men should be to be macho, to be other things that are not so significant of uh, being a man and whether we lose track of it. Because we've been taught as children, you know, you, when you're a man, just as um, um, I remember my grandma, go out there, if it's a fight, you go back there, get out there and go out there and fight. Be a man, get out there. You, you better not be scared of him. You better, you better not come back in this house and um, start crying. Wipe your face and get out there and handle that business. And that's not sometimes we have to talk to children because it really deep in our heart, we know men are caring, nurturing men. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We want men to understand that that tough guy role is not always the way out of understanding or either to be stereotyped in that way. Mm -hmm. Because what what happens to a man or boy who does not fit in that box or chooses to step out, mm -hmm. we ask about the advantages of following these rules and fitting in the box. And we can see there are advantages for men to stay in the box, disadvantages for stepping outside of the box, and to fully understand the effects of this box. We must ask a couple more questions. Is there anything unhealthy about staying in this box? Because the box teaches men to use violence and domination. It teaches the limit of amount of care and attention boys receive. And the box reduces physical and mental health for men, women, and children, reduces economic capabilities of individuals, families, and communities, and it allows human rights to continue to be violated. So this activity demonstrates that men are socially trained and pressed pressed to fit into the man box. However, we see we also see that this man box has a negative health consequences because we grow up believing that the man box is natural and normal. We do not question the damaging effects for men, women, and children. So by raising our awareness about the pressures and consequences of the man box, we can learn to make healthier choices about, about the kind of man we really want to be. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Are there any other comments you have about the Man box? Well, no, no. <laughs> the man box is a powerful one. Really, oh, it is. That, is, that yeah. is our first piece that we like to introduce the group to as we start our curriculum. Mm. Regardless if we're only doing one or four pieces of the curriculum or if we're doing 10 to 12 pieces, the man box we think is the most important part to give them a full idea so they can kind of get a view of themselves as we introduce some of the other things that are so important as we move forward through the curriculum that we're trying to have them understand and the values of it and the values of um, the MOCA organization or the movement in itself. Yeah, it has such a strength. I mean, similar, I've witnessed similar activities with a mixed group and that the ch even really young children are know very clearly those stereotypes already. What's the youngest you've ever done that with, Anna? Sixth graders. Sixth graders. It's like they are, they're very clear. They, they've already started to internalize what mm -hmm. it means to be either a man or a woman in the society. So it's like the, we're constantly teaching them and they're just mm -hmm. steeped in it. I'm wondering, you do some work with incarcerated men. Is that your focus or is that just one aspect of the program that? That's just one aspect of um, what we do. Um, we, was, um, we have the opportunity, we always thought that we probably should um, be part of the uh, correctional system to, um, and not only just to go back and give back because uh, we're a community 
organization that wants to, because we're a community organization that wants to give back to our community, one of the aspects of um, this program is that we want to really go back in and, and, and look at the men coming home. The reason being, we have men that are part of MOCA that have been through some challenges in their life, and they're now giving back. They have now opened up other parts of MOCA and other organizations and giving back to the community. And we want these men to see that, first of all, when we walk back into the uh, correctional system. The second part of that is to go talk about what we're doing out in the community and what MOCA really stands for. We, we know we want men to be educated because we know there's bad food, there's bad surroundings, there's gangs, there's, um, you have prostitution, there's drugs. Everything yeah. that's on the outside <clears throat> is definitely inside the correction system, but we also want to give them a clear view that when they step out of that, there's some other means of resources to support, and also a group of men that they probably heard about but never had the opportunity to be part of us, but mm -hmm. never took the time to be part of what we do. Because our primary goal never changes. We walked in there to say, listen, man, if you want to be around, you want to walk out here, you need to be healthy, you need to be somewhat stress-free, you need to also have a plan, and also you need to have somewhere where you can reach out to and have men that care about you and be a part. And this gives you opportunity not only to become a mentor and give back, also it, it makes you a better a parent, a better father, um, it makes you a better husband, and also it gives you an opportunity to give back to your community that this is so important. Because we know some of the highest mortality rates are not just walking around the streets, it's the health disparities mm. of not eating right, not living right, not having a job, the revolving door of reincarceration, um, having difficulty with families, children, all these things put back in stresses that kind of change your whole health condition and, and perceive. So we want these men to say, listen, we're doing something different. We don't have all the answers. We're not doctors. We're men just like you, but we're here to talk about and show you there's resources and a group of men out here that are out here making a difference in the community. And we're asking men to come and join part of this movement. Wow. Because most men that we deal with have, have sim similar issues uh, that, that we teach about, like um, unpacking the man box and health topics for men, the fight within emotional and mental health, social determinants of health disparities, um, shared decision-making, where we go see our doctors and make sure we have um, primary care physicians, and we go in there with questions to talk to the doctor. We just don't go in there and have the doctors, you know, spend 30, uh, 20 minutes punching into the computer and two minutes of testing and see me. At, when you get to age 30s and 40s, you should be asking your doctor, why aren't you suggesting to me that I get uh, screened for prostate cancer? Because you know we people of color get prostate cancer three times quicker than other races. You know, mm. why, why aren't you telling me about uh, I need to go get a colonoscopy test, you know? I mean, we should have tests, I mean, questions for our doctors. Breaking the cycle of violence against women, becoming role models of healthy manhood. And the last part we're doing now is stress management. We're trying to reduce stress and chron chronic diseases. We, we get diabetes quicker than other races. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, I want to thank you for your work, and we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be back with the man of MOCA. Um, right now, we're going to listen to You're All I Need to Get By, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. And we'll be right back with Indigo Radio. Thank you. Like sweet morning dew, I took one look at you, and it was plain to see you were my destiny. For you, 
This is Indigo Radio, WVEW 107.7 LP, and we're back with the men of Mocha. We have Lamont, Hank, and David in the studio here, and we were just talking about one of many of um, Mocha's projects, which is helping men reintegrate after incarceration or, or also working with them while they're incarcerated. Is that correct, Lamont? Yes, you see, because the group of men that we um, focused on in there is the men that have 90 days or less that's coming home. So we think they're a the great group of men to um, talk about our initiative of uh, MOCA. And, and, and our primary goal is to go in there and deliver um, some education skills, building support for the men scheduled to be released within the next 90 days, and also to, um, and, and to go in there and talk to at least 20 to 25 men, have regular group discussions, also talk about um, some of the other topics that we spoke about earlier pertaining to Mocha, the man box, um, healthy relationships, emotional and, and social determinants, and health disparities, and shared decision makings. So we would just want to let, let guys know that there's what we do on the outside, we're coming on the inside to do so that they're somewhat prepared and have a mindset of an opportunity to come out and um, become part of this mission that we're doing to eliminate health disparities in our community. Great, that's amazing work and really important, especially with the disparities of how many men of color are incarcerated at this time in history. Yeah. And the only thing I'd like to say, I'd like to thank Bay State for allowing us the opportunity and also with the grant to go in there and start our first pilot session at the Ludlow House of Correction. So it was just a blessing, so we, we have opportunity to really move forward with this project now. Nice. And could you just give us, um, one of you, uh, just an overview of what MOCA does in general? Uh, MOCA was developed to improve the health and wellness of men of color. This collaborative an effort enables men to, of color to engage in an educational and social experience with the support and motivation necessary to make lifestyle and community changes. Well, we just want to help people, you know, in it, first of all, in their health so they can um, live around, come and live around longer, see their grandkids, uh, graduate from high school, and, you know, do all of those good things that you do in your families that, that people take for granted nowadays. So, <laughs> you know, watching yeah. the kids graduate and, you know, and, and just being around to see grandkids. Um, this, this is what we want people to do. 
just understanding and making aware of information that's out there to help them make lifestyle changes so they can live longer. Yeah, one of our visions are also is to prove that MOCA program or our movement is an effective, very effective, and it improves the health of men of color. We want to replicate this work throughout the state and the rest of the country. Mm. We've also had some opportunities from folks throughout the state that want MOCA to say, well, we'd like to kind of promote this in our state mm. or in our community because we see by research and seeing some of the information that we put on our websites that MOCA is working and we've been able to sustain for the past eight years, going on to nine years. And this wasn't by chance, it's by fact because of all the hard work that we continue to do. We also like to say that we like to amplify the voices and concerns about black, brown men, and any men of color. And also, we like to say thank you to the University of Massachusetts um, of Amherst and the National Institute of Minority Health and Health Disparity that has birthed many new exciting projects to enhance the way that we collect data so we can improve the lives of men of color. And we've also did many other things that's been very effective as digital stories, um, just to find out where men have at. And we'll talk a little bit probably at some point about our digital stories as we move forward because that's a big piece of what we do. And it's a three minute piece that we do that tells your whole life story. And I think I'll give um, Mr. Douglas the opportunity to speak on that as we move forward. Well, I, I kind of wanted to go into the MOCA as a movement part. Oh, well, that was my <laughs> next question. Is MOCA a oh. movement? <laughs> Tell us about your experience with MOCA. <laughs> okay. Black men know that their lives are not going to get substantially better until there's a major social transformation in, in social and economic relationships mm. in America. Telling these guys that they're going to get better off, they'll be better off if they lose 20 pounds, go jogging four to five times a week, strikes most as being woefully short-sighted. They're sick and tired of being out of work, sick and tired of being targeted by the police. And a big part of the appeal of joining MOCA is to become larger become part of a larger movement, one that recognizes the need for social change, change in social determinants of health, and to make a real difference. MOCA is not just about getting to work out a couple of days a week, even if the mentors emphasize the value of regular exercise, especially in coping with stress. MOCA aims to serve the community by being politically active, for example, in struggles to increase black entrepreneurship, gainful job opportunities, expunging quarry records based on petty drug infractions and crimes of poverty, broader criminal justice system reform, advocating for affordable housing, and address other community concerns. A big part of the appeal of joining MOCA is to become part of a larger social movement. It seems like something we really need. I mean, I feel like my first child, who was four, is a boy, and I think that that first day, I was just like in tears because I looked at him and, and I, I come from a family largely of women. And I was just like, I can't protect you. You know, like we, I can't by myself mm -hmm. save my son from what's out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm only one person. So I can't be the only one telling him, this is not how you be a man. Like he needs other, there have to be other voices just as strong mm -hmm. or stronger than mine. Because mm -hmm. the voices telling him that you need to be tough or you need to be strong and a negative way are, mm -hmm. they're everywhere they're mm -hmm. in the video games mm -hmm. they're in on the tv screen mm -hmm. they're in the advertising mm -hmm. and so i was like oh my goodness 
that energy how, has to be channeled into a positive way. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, especially for African American boys. The way the social things are going on in the media nowadays about African American kids being killed and you know just for having radios or a phone in their pocket or just just the things that we have. You know, I I, I got pulled over the other day because of. Uh, I made a U-turn at the wrong place. But it, a, a feeling came over me as soon as those lights came on in my back rearview mirror that I don't know how this situation is going to work out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, I could die from this situation. It's a matter of life and death. And that's the things we have to deal with every day. Mm. You know, our, our kids grow up and they see prostitution, they see drug dealing, they see they see that might equals in our, in our community, whoever's the baddest person has has the less problems in the neighborhood, you know, and these are things that, and then we send our kids off to school and the teachers from other areas and other states, they come in and they, and they can't, they, they don't know, they don't know why little Johnny's running all over the place and acting stupid in school and they say something to him, he's like, you can't tell you nothing to me, you ain't tough, <laughs> you know, right. I see tough every day, you know, mm-hmm. how you going to deal with me? And then by, if I'm not catching the, the information by the fourth grade, they're, they're building cells for our children. That is a fact. <laughs> yeah, it's a sad fact. That, yeah, at one point they were using, what, like reading scores from third graders to determine how many beds they needed, mm. uh, how they were going to incarcerate our youth. Mm. So turn that around. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we do. And I feel like this, you're t- taking steps in the right direction and saying that basically that it doesn't just take a village to raise a child, but it takes a village to create a man and to mm-hmm. know really what manhood is. And, and, but each individual and, and has and a complex history, and I'm wondering how you, how you deal with individuals and mental health issues and all the complex, what people now are calling trauma, in each person's life. Well, it's, it's, it's good that you mentioned that because through the MOCA program, I've... Um, become a community health worker. Mm. Not certified yet because the state has some things going on, but I've been working for the last year under a grant through Martin Luther King Family Services to be a community health worker at Mason Square, Bay State Mason Square Neighborhood Health Center, right in the heart of the city. Mm. And I have 15 uh, patients assigned to me, all African Americans, all that have chronic diseases. And um, part of my job is connecting them with resources, making sure they make their appointments, um, making sure that they take their meds, you know, just paying more attention to the health care plan done by the doctors and community health workers that can help them out so that they can live longer also. It's a blessing from God that he has me in the same position of helping people, and now I'm helping people through the hospitals behind the training that I received through MOCA, mm. through Western Mass uh, Precision, what it was, What's the name of the... Um, is it an acronym? We, it's hard yeah, to keep up with those. Yeah. Massachusetts Health Equity Conference? Yes, them. <laughs> <laughs> that thing you said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's being addressed because it's, it's, it's affecting the, the, dollar, mm. the dollar amount that it costs for them to... It costs for the hospitals to see people in the emergency rooms. Where, it's reducing the cost, yes, probably, yeah. right? Well, it's reducing the cost as long as it, people are being um, addressing their health care. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's just like, I feel like we did it, we talked about um, once in Chicago, there was a program where they were, well, they are um, in one hospital housing homeless people, and it's cheaper for the hospital to pay rent than to pay the bills for, yeah, for people who are, they're they're chronic, Uh 
revolving door of going in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. So if they mm-hmm. pay seven hundred to a thousand dollars for a person's rent, their house, then they're not in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. And one man said, "I miss the nurses," so he takes the bus <laughs> and goes and visits them. <laughs> but like he doesn't have to go to the emergency room for healthcare right. or to stay out of the cold right. or deal with the symptoms of living outside. Right. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Chicago because that is my home. That is my hometown. Oh. And um, I, I have a personal mission to get there at some point to um, to see how we can change some of the um the thought patterns, not only with a lot of the killings and, and the youth there, but also with the health disparities that of men of color. Um, one of the things that um, Hank spoke about, um, he is a community health worker, and we've all been trained, most of the mentors, through MOCA to be community health workers, and we've mm. also done a number of hours. They give us a better understanding of all the chronic diseases, all the history, and some of the challenges that may be ahead of us as we try to have men be a part of the movement of MOCA moving forward. So um, all these other things that he kind of mentioned, the health centers, we're all connected to some of the health centers in the community. I'm part of Caring Health Center. I'm one of the workout instructors. Um, And also um, I've been part of um, Caring Health Center and also through the grace of God, that's who, I'm also a cancer survivor. Through, oh, the, through the grace of God, I have a personal mission to change the way things move forward in the lifestyle of men because I do truly believe that your purpose is to help men and change. If you can change your life, you can change someone else's. Mm. So this mission is personal to me as we move forward. Thank I you. like that. If you can change your life, you can change someone else's. And mm-hmm. we're going to go out on a break, but I just want to say that a lot of these healthcare disparities and what's happening in communities of color and poor communities, even here in Vermont, the violence and the other things that happen to happen are not by accident. And so people like to attribute that to the individual people and not look at the systemic issues. So when we come back, hopefully we'll talk a little bit about the root causes of some of the disparities and health outcomes. So right now, I guess we'll go to a song, Lean On Me. Oh, the Club Nouveau version. Thank you.
Indigo Radio 107.7 LP, your community radio station. The views here are those of the guests and the hosts, not of the radio station. Um, we're here with Mocha Men, and we're talking about health disparities. And I was wondering what you think uh, of how we begin to address the root causes of the health disparities that we see in our communities of color. Everyone wants to answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is, a, this is the question that we're always asking, right? That we're dealing with symptoms. Yes. I th well, I think some of the um, issues with that is um, we've all been raised. I, my, my family's from the South. So some of the things that I look at is um, how I was raised and how I ate and, and, and um, also my geographical the way I was raised. So some of these things are all sometimes I think is issues. But um, it's also, I want to go back to how we eat and how we were brought up. Because the way I was brought up and what I ate and what I eat today is a, so much of a different transition from uh, in the 50s and in the 60s. Today, everything is a whole different outlook. And, and, and it gives, me a, uh, gives us an opportunity to really think about how we can make and also look at how we can change our lifestyle of um, of um, eating and taking care of our lives as initially moving forward. I feel like another challenge though is that I feel like there is that always that stereotype of like the poor mother or the woman of color that has like soda pop in the baby bottle. But the reality is that people live in food deserts where they don't have yes. like we're like we're in Brattleboro. We take our little canvas bag and go to the co-op. I'm sitting here with my mason jar full of water, like. But I live in a place where I can have a garden, and I live in a place where I have access to mm -hmm. food. And I feel like you talked about this before with the bodegas. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they're, they're, we, like I said, we have bodegas on every corner almost, and they're buying their food from the big the big stores where they're just about to uh, expire, where it's, it's fresh for you, and, and they're bringing it to our neighborhoods, and they're jacking the prices up. And um, we, we don't eat healthy from a history of, of the foods and nutrition that we that we've had as we've grown up, um, fried chicken and... and um, hey, hold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it too. I, you I'm know, sorry. I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> I just want to say, I know that's a stereotype, but like... I think that the, the potato other... salad, the macaroni and cheese, don't get me <laughs> Stop started. Stop making a you know what I mean? these days. <laughs> I no have to say <laughs> that it's true, but there's everything in moderation. I feel like the yes. other issue is that when do you have time? Like, I remember my first year teaching, I did not understand. I would. I remember I called the parent. I'd be like, I'm going to call your mother. And they'd be like, fine. And Half the time, I couldn't find the mother. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally caught up with her, she's like, I'm at work. Mm-hmm. I leave for work at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. So actually, I don't see what my child wears. Mm. I don't know if my child has mm-hmm. had breakfast because mm-hmm. I'm working two jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, by the time I get home, I can't even ask her or him about their day because they're asleep. And so these issues are so complex. And I, for me, in my background, I'd never heard of such a thing. So how do you even know what the child is eating because you're, you can't be there. In order for them to have food, you have to be away from the home. Mm-hmm. And so that, I feel mm-hmm. like, is not an individual choice. It's a systemic problem of chronic poverty that is built into this system of capitalism that mm-hmm. we live in. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we do understand is that a lot of the places where you get good food and, and organic food and all that healthy food is so far away that we can't get to them. We don't have access mm-hmm. to them. So these bodegas, all these little small stores that may not get the best um, quality of meat and fruits and vegetables, then it has to be settled because if you have a family of five, six, or seven in your house, you have to do what's best fit for you for you to survive. And that's, a, that's just a part of the issue. Um, we do, under, and also transportation is an issue. If you can't get out to that big that stopping shop or that big mm-hmm. Y, all these um, Whole Foods and all that stuff, then you got you go up to that bodega. You got to go put something on that table for them for the family, and that's important. The, the rules of the game have changed, but also you still have to think health conscious to some means, <clears throat> and then also how expensive food is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be able to afford mm-hmm. the best of anything, and we understand that when you're a, a single uh, parent. Or, or a household with five or six or seven in it, then you have to make the changes and adjust. So it's, it's, it's ways that we're looking to educate folks for healthy alternatives. And that's the blessing about the community gardens and the, um, mm-hmm. um, that's going on around throughout all the cities in Springfield where you can you know, go out to different locations throughout the, um, throughout the week. And you can go ahead and shop you know. Um, and, 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 and get a better quality of food and also support your community. And also, some of the community gardens also teach you how to start growing food mm. in your own backyard if, there's a, if you have land or if, you can, if you're allowed to, um, to grow there. And, and, and we applaud those single parents that are out there working two and three jobs trying to take care of a family so they can get off of public assistance. You know, um, uh, you know we, we need more people like that. And plus, also, you know... Uh, our kids are going to school hungry because they don't have anything mm-hmm. to eat sometimes. 
You know, um, that's an issue. There's programs in the, in the schools that make sure that the kids eat, and um, but but we still have to address it. I also work with Martin Luther King Family Services, where every Thursday they have an open pantry. They feed 400 people a day. Wow. <laughs> excuse me. Every every Thursday. I mean a week. Excuse me. Where where the numbers are growing, you oh. know, from homeless people that don't have stuff to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, so we collaborate with other agencies that that let people know where they can go get something to eat when their food stamps run out in the first or second week of the month and mm. they don't have enough food. We're grateful to have that your community has those resources. And I mean, you're just down the road from us. Um, some people think that it's another world. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very important world for me <coughs> where I can get my hair done. Um, but in this largely white state, I'm wondering, do you think, how would you address these same issues? We are seeing the same disparities for people of color here in the state of Vermont, even though it's a small percentage of the population. And how would you address similar issues here in Vermont? Well, one of the things that we really understand, because MOCA is Men of Color Health and Awareness, so we're not, you know, there's nothing discriminatory pertaining to what men we try to focus on pertaining to health disparities. Mm -hmm. But we do understand that um, there, um, because of men of color, we're at such a high mortality rate of um, not um, taking care of ourselves. There's harder for us to get certain um, medical um, issues taken care of, also to find the right people to talk to because there's a lot of mistrust within the medical system mm. with people of color. And we understand that going all the way back to the Tuskegee, Tuskegee Airmen and things that happened back in the day all the way up to now. And that, that kind of sticks for us because every time you look around, there's something somebody wants to try a trial for this for cancer, a trial for that, try this, try that. So who knows what works and what's really going to pull you out of that situation. So what we're primarily looking at, how can we reach men here? Then we do have a website. We would love to come and do a presentation. We'd love to come talk to the, to the, many, the many or a few men and men of color in general because the, the whole thing is about taking care of yourself and focusing on the disparity because we're all affected somewhere or another by some type of health disparity mm. or probably will be as time and age move forward. And you talk, when you use the word mistrust, you were, you're talking about experiments that have happened yes, over the years. I, I am. Yeah. I am. Um, people of color. Yes, and that's a big mistrust for us. Our, our men of color don't go to the doctors unless our significant other makes us go. It's <laughs> not <laughs> so like men don't ask for direction and no. they don't go to the doctor. <laughs> So we gotta tell you, we gotta <coughs> stop and ask. Right. Lost, right. And you, tomorrow, you better go to see your doctor. Even when something's hurting. Yeah. Even when something's hurting. Don't just hurting. put a band-aid on it. That's right. <laughs> or self-medicate yourself because that's a lot of times mm -hmm. what we do. Yeah. You know, yep. we know right. that men will like, okay, well, I'm going to go. I'm hurting. I'm going to drink. I'm going to get my little fix, and you feel good then. But you got you still got the same issue when you come out of that fog. Right. So we know it's the issue with that too. I know I was reading this thing about sleep and this this doctor that focuses on sleep said that you know alcohol is not good for sleeping that it actually um it actually you have to metabolize the alcohol so it keeps you from sleeping your body from really mm -hmm. resting and he's really you're like passed out <laughs> mm -hmm. so that that is not a restful sleep and that you should not have any alcohol before you're going to bed I was like oh okay <laughs> so we're all learning that that, 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 that there's a process and 
that taking care of ourselves, especially when you're overworked and with our current society tells us that we have to work, 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 mm -hmm. that um, taking care of yourself becomes last on the list, especially if you're a parent. And it's the same for all genders in that respect. So yes. we only have one physical self, so we have to take care of it. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I want to thank our guests. Thank you, Hank. Thank you. Thank you, Lamont. And thank you, David, for bringing them here. Did you drive? Hank did. Oh, I, I made slept. an assumption. Did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> that was white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, just wanted to, maybe I just wanted to think that the white man was a black man so far. <laughs> I don't know. I was all wrong. Hang drove. All right. Well, thank you for coming. You should have known that I was being driving Miss Daisy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for Come being on, sis. <laughs> We're going to go out with Fight the Power, Public Enemy. So here you go. Thank you. Thank you for our opportunity to be Don't worry, be happy.
was a number one ten. Damn if I said you could fuck me right here.